last night, uh, I would say it was 7 o'clock um, our time here, and I got a phone call from him. And so I figured that it was uh, probably somewhere around 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, South Africa time. And uh, Pastor and I always have a thing. When I'm here, I always go up to him right before he's about ready to take the pulpit, and I say, Pastor, are you ready? And uh, he always says, Brother, I'm ready. So last night when he called me, he said, uh, Brother, are you ready? <laughs> and my response uh, was a little bit of a chuckle. And I think he was more alarmed by what he heard in the background. He heard a lot of dance music and a lot of partying going on. And uh, I could tell the concern in his voice. I had to explain to him that, uh, you know, uh, once again, we were at a wedding the night before I was about to preach, and then he settled down. <laughs> and uh, so also, once again, um, uh, Eve, I mean, uh, Linda, was trying to get me trying to get me to turn the water into wine, which I was able to fight off that temptation. And, uh, but we got to do, um, believe it or not, a little jitterbugging, a little twisting, and uh, we spent some precious time with her family, and uh, we're so thankful for that. And um, I'm also blessed to be here this morning. It's always tough shoes to fill uh, when I take this pulpit. I'm very thankful to Pastor. He's given me this opportunity. I'm thankful to the Lord also. Uh, so this morning, um, well, I'm going to pray before we get into the Word. Lord, I thank you that um, you are so awesome and so gracious to us. I thank you, God, for, um, for the opportunity to be able to stand behind this pulpit. And I pray, God, uh, that hearts are open. I pray, Lord, that I can deliver a message today which glorifies you. I pray, Lord, that hearts are open to receive it and uh, lives are changed because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to do something just a little bit different um, to start out the service anyways, start out my message. And I want to go back to a scripture that Pastor put on the screen right at the end of his message last week. And before we put that scripture on the screen, oh, it's, it's on there, okay. <laughs> Uh, the context at this point in Pastor's message was when does work become an idol? And when we see work only as a pathway to personal wealth, then money is the idol. However, when we see work as a means through which God is glorified and God's purposes are established, then we receive a reward from the Lord on how well we performed our earthly jobs. And the conclusion is, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And he has a close eye watching us and watching everything that we do. Well, this past week, of course, that uh, how Jacques closed the message uh, uh, last week, that spoke volumes to me. I was somewhat um, happy at times, and other times I thought, well, in particular, most of my life, I have been a business owner, and uh, I somewhat was thinking that maybe that scripture lets me off the hook, and uh, not really, not really because as an owner of a business, Christ has bought me, okay, for a price, and I am still his slave, and I'm responsible for the way 
that I treat my employees. And I'm speaking now to all of the business owners that are out there, or the ones that may be business owners in the future. You have a responsibility before Christ to use that gift that he's given you to glorify him. I wanted to make that perfectly clear. I'm, I'm somewhat uh, what comes to mind, and I was chuckling to myself this morning with my wife, is that what comes to mind to me is uh, Christmas vacation and Clark uh, Griswold, okay, how his boss um, blessed him after he had um, certainly done much work for the company. He blessed him with a uh, jelly of the month um, uh, uh, gift certificate, okay, and uh, Clark was quite bent out of shape about it, and uh, he let it be known. But, however, I just want to finish in conclusion by saying that us as business owners have a responsibility also to the people that we are over. Amen. So today, I want to take a different turn right now. And I'd like to talk to you about a parable from the Gospel of Matthew. It's found in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and it's the parable of the talents. It's quite a lengthy parable, which I was happy to see, actually. Um, I thought it might help me in my message this morning. And here's how the parable starts out. And Jesus was talking about, right before that, he talked about the parable of the ten wise virgins. Uh, the ten wise virgins. And so he was uh, talking about what it was like, what the kingdom of heaven was like. And so he started out with this one saying, for it is just like a man, the kingdom of heaven is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And also the one who had received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me. See, I have, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, 
I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did, where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. Into that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, there's a lot in there. (laughs) I do not know if you're anything like me, but many times during my Christian walk, I just need to take and put myself into a timeout, reevaluate my motives during different projects I get involved with. I realize that the Lord has given me gifts, so I like to cross-examine myself and make sure those gifts are glorifying God and that I am being faithful with what he has given me. The parable of the talents illustrates the tragedy of wasted opportunity and also the prize of being faithful. The man who goes on the journey represents Christ. And the slaves represent professing believers given different levels of responsibility. Faithfulness is what he demands of them. And the parable suggests that all who are faithful will be fruitful to some degree. The fruitless person is unmasked as a hypocrite and utterly destroyed. A talent was a measure of weight put on a coin's worth, a considerable sum of money. The modern meaning of the word talent denotes the natural ability, a natural ability, and stems from the fact that this parable is applied to the stewardship of one's natural gifts. But the man with five talents and the man with two received the same reward, indicating the reward is based on faithfulness, not results. I'm going to read that one more time so that we get it. Both the man with five talents and the one with two that made five more and made two more received exactly the same reward, indicating the reward is based on faithfulness, not results. The master said to both of them, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. That's very interesting right there. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. You would think as as I went ahead and read this that, wow, the one that was given five talents and he made five more, that's the end of the story. No, the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You've been faithful with a few things. I will make you, I will give you more responsibilities. Jesus says in the Bible, he says, um, whoever puts their hand to the plow and looks back, they're not worthy for the kingdom of God. So we're called to a higher level. The more we serve the Lord, the more responsibilities he gives us, and we have the opportunity to glorify him more and more. The master said to both of them, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. They both inherited immeasurable blessing in addition to eternal life and the favor of God. All wonderful when we are faithful with the gifts and responsibilities God has given us. And we turn those gifts into giving God glory. But the one who did nothing with the master's gift, he called him wicked and lazy and cast the slave into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. A commonly used phrase by Jesus to describe how. I would like to identify gifts that are in the Bible and as mature Christians we are responsible for. In Romans 12, 6, it says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It is, if it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. According to that scripture, in Romans 12, verse 6, there are seven gifts listed. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and showing mercy. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Use your gifts to give God glory. In Matthew 5.16, it reads like this. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And finally, in Ephesians 2, verse 10, it reads this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Okay, so I've identified the seven gifts that 12.6 uh, Romans talks about, and now I want to explain each and every one of them 
briefly. The first one listed is prophecy in accordance with your faith. In the Greek word, uh, in the Greek, the word means speaking forth and does not necessarily include prediction of the future or any other mystical or supernatural aspects. I think we're all familiar with that. Prophe prophecy simply identifies the skill of public proclamation of the word of God and must be the same message the apostles preached. Okay, just so we're clear on that. The next one is serving. This gift, similar to the gift of helps, has broad application to include every kind of practical work. If you're part of the worship team, if you're part of the cleaning crew, if you're part of the children's ministry, anything that is done as part of the sound ministry, I'm definitely going to leave some out here. Okay? Hospitality, uh, you know, um, and all of the other ministries that are around here to support the body. That's serving. Teaching. The ability to interpret, clarify, and explain God's truth clearly. Pastors must have the gift of teaching, but many mature, qualified laymen have this gift. So if many mature, qualified laymen have this gift, if you're a qualified layman and you think you have this gift, then you can teach. Of course, there's a process to go through in order to get there. <laughs> Pastor can explain that when he comes back. Uh, but it is a great gift. Encourage, ex exhort, exhort. This gift, which enables a believer to effectively call others to obey and follow God's truth. It may be used negatively to admonish or correct regarding sin or positively to encourage, comfort, and strengthen struggling believers. And that is a gift. Hmm. Giving. The sacrificial sharing and giving of one's resources to meet the needs. Generously. The giving and then giving generously. So now I'm going to describe generously. The believer who gives with a proper attitude and does not do so for thanks and personal recognition, but to the glory of God. Leading. Another one of the gifts. A word that means to guide, and it's used of a person that steers a ship. This word is used to describe leadership also in the church. The church's leaders must exercise this gift, but it is not limited to them. Mercy, and I think this is the last one, mercy. One who actively shows sympathy and sensitivity to those in suffering and sorrow, and who has both the willingness 
and the resources to lessen their afflictions. Cheerfully. So showing mercy cheerfully. This attitude is crucial to ensure that the gift of mercy becomes a genuine help. So now I've listed the gifts, the seven gifts, and defined them. So the question becomes, how to be faithful with these gifts? Because it's one thing to have the gifts, and it's another thing to be faithful with them. Remember, the reward for those slaves that went away, for the master slaves, and were given the five talents and the two talents and the one, the reward was based on faithfulness, not the amount. So you can have the gift, or you can have gifts, several gifts, maybe all of them. But if you're not faithful to it, we found out what happened to the unfaithful servant. The biblical definition of faithfulness requires us to submit our ways to God. Romans 12, 9. Here's what it reads. I guess I'm going to read from Romans 12, 9 all the way down to 18. Remember, the Bible interprets the Bible, correct? Okay, Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share the Lord's, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So if we unpack these verses, we see that ver faithfulness is your love must be sincere, hate evil, cling to what is good, honor and love one another, be joyful in hope, faithful in prayer, practice hospitality and share with those in need, bless those who persecute you, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those that mourn, do not be proud or conceited, and live in peace with everyone if possible. The parable of the talents is a stark reminder to those who waste their gifts. God has given them the prize. God gives the prize to those who are faithful. So my call to action to you today 
is to recognize the gifts God has given you and put them to use for God's glory. I don't know what your gifts are. I may know, I may know a little bit about some of you and what your gifts may be, but it's up to you to personally put yourself into that time out. Reevaluate where you are with your Christian walk. It's important. You know, our, our lives here on this earth, nobody's promised tomorrow. And the day we go home to be with the Lord, we're going to be responsible for what we've done. We only get one shot at it while we're here. So I'm reaching out to you. I'm telling you, I'm in the same boat with you. I do it. I told you I do it. Sometimes we get caught up in this world. Time goes by so quickly. A week becomes a month, and a month becomes a year. And we look back and we go, wait, where's that commitment I made? Where am I with the Lord? How am I doing? So I'm putting that charge on you today to do that. Go before the Lord. See where we're at. Remember, we're one body together. And the body needs all the members to function properly. Amen? Okay. Thank you. Thank you.